make sense. Uh, and as far as, as far as fasting is concerned, I am no expert on fasting. Jensen Franklin, probably my favorite preacher there is, he wrote an incredible book on fasting several years ago. Uh, if you order it from Amazon, it'll be here by the time the week is over. Um, but uh, it's a great book. I, I just want to say this about fasting. You, you can fast meals, and I encourage you to do that. I, if, you're, if you are physically able to do so, whether it's a total fast or specific meals, just ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you do. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Just ask the Holy Spirit, what would you have me fast? What would you have me lay aside? I know for many people, uh, it, it involves meals. It involves specific foods. Um, uh, for many people, in, in myself included to a certain degree, it involves media of different kinds, whether it be social media or entertainment media. Uh, let me just say it like this. Anything in your life that seeks to control you in any way or another, whether it be your stomach, right? Your desire to be entertained or something else. Maybe, maybe it is something that you've been struggling to set aside. Maybe it's been alcohol or tobacco even. I'm just, listen, it could be prescription medication that, you know, you may need it, but maybe you take it a little more than you need it. Can I just be a human being today and talk to you like adults? Uh, that you would just say, Lord, the only thing I want controlling my life is you. Amen. Paul says in Ephesians 5.28, to not be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. And the scripture there is not just about being drunk or, or wine or alcohol. The scripture there really is what it's saying is, if something's going to control you, let it be the Holy Spirit. So ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you lay aside. And whatever it is you choose to do, lay aside. Understand that when you fast, it's not just about not eating a meal. It's about replacing that time and that energy with, with something holy. Whether it be reading the word, whether it be prayer, whether it be reading a book that, that is, is based on this book that brings you closer to the Lord it's, you know, if you're fasting lunch, that doesn't mean you get to work an extra hour. Yeah. Right? Amen? Yeah. That doesn't mean that, you know, you're getting more done. No, no, that means that you go somewhere where you can spend time in the Lord's presence when you would normally spend that time um, in Subway or someplace. I don't know. Uh, and, and don't be legalistic about it. Listen, uh, this isn't about, that we, we're, we're not legalistic people. We don't serve a legalistic God. We serve a God of grace and goodness, Right? So this isn't about, you know, what, you know I'm going to try to be Superman or Superwoman and, and fast everything. No, no, listen. You ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you do. And to the best of your ability, while depending on him, you do that thing. And if you, if you mess up, maybe you're fasting Facebook and, you, and you, you accidentally open the app. First of all, delete it off your phone so you remove all temptation, right? But and you, you didn't just ruin the whole week. Just like, hey, you don't, you just... Just start over, right? It's not a big deal. So we're not being legalistic about it. Uh, we're, not, we're not out to prove anything. We're just out to grow closer to the Lord this week. That, that is our goal. That is our goal. Um, I want to start a new series today, but before I do that, I, I want to play a song for you that some of you know I'm already lying. Um, I, want to, I, want to, I want to show you something. Um, Marshall's guitar and me have a storied history together. Some of y'all didn't even know I could do that. <clears throat> when I was 20 years old, I decided to learn guitar because, because I was in college and I noticed that girls always flocked to guys sitting on park benches and sidewalks playing guitar. That's a true story. I'm not, that is not a lie. Um, and I'm ashamed to admit it, but it is the truth. And so I borrowed a friend's guitar and started learning uh, how to play it. And it did not help me get girls though, <laughs> which is pretty sad. Um, but it did lead me uh, down the road of playing guitar in church and leading worship even uh, for a short period of time. But thank God for Don Miller, amen? Yeah. Amen. Um, but I, the thing that was a challenge when I first started learning guitar, 
YouTube, to my, I mean, maybe it did, but to my knowledge, YouTube didn't exist. Uh, and if it did exist, it certainly didn't exist like it exists today. So I would go to the local uh, guitar store and buy a book of chords, C-H-O-R-D-S for the non-musically inclined. And I learned chords. So this is a G chord, C chord, D chord, E minor, A, G. Whoa, I need you to calm down. Why are you still back there? What are you doing? Just a, just a good cozy back there, right? And, and so I learned pretty quickly. And Jonathan, do you play guitar? John, can you hear me, Jonathan? Or you don't play? Either he can't hear me or he doesn't play guitar. I learned pretty quickly that, that the, the difficulty in playing guitar was not the chord hand, which is, if you're not a guitar player, this is where you think the difficulty lies, right? And, and, and I thought, you know... See, see, it is bad. Let's see if I can do it. All right. Is my face red? <laughs> I learned pretty quick that the difficulty in playing guitar is not this hand, but it's this hand. All right, all right, for real. Get, you play, play something like that I can play, because I can't play what you just played. Play something for real. though, this is what it was like. Keep going. Do you see the difference? One of them is in rhythm and one of them is not in rhythm, right? Rhythm is, everybody has it, even the people who say they don't have it, you have it because you, you, everybody has rhythm. You just don't know you've got it. So you have to learn it. And then you have to keep rhythm. Now, if for, for me, starting off at the right pace is easy, but continuing in rhythm is what is difficult. So, so here's the deal. Want to thank you, Jonathan. Everybody give it up for our friend, Jonathan. It, rhythm will make or break a band. Listen, the guitar can be amazing. The vocals can be stellar, but if the musicians and the vocals are out of sync or out of rhythm with one another, it is going to sound like hot garbage, <laughs> right? It's going to sound bad. And, and when learning to play guitar, I learned very quickly that, that the problem that I had was not making music. It was it, rather, it was making music that, that people wanted to hear, right? And that was in rhythm with itself. And then, then you get introduced into a band. And then you have to play in rhythm with each other, right? Now, when things are out of rhythm, when music is out of rhythm, uh, you notice it. But when, it, when it's in rhythm, you don't really think about it. Because it's just how it is supposed to be. So today, I want to start a sermon series. Guess what? I bet you haven't figured this title out yet. Called, called Rhythms, right? Uh, rhythms for life specifically. And, and I, I want to say this. I know a lot of people set resolutions, and, and I am, I am pro-resolution. I'm not the guy who's going to get up here and bash people for setting resolutions. I think if you don't have goals, then what that says to me is that you just are lazy and don't care about your life. So, sorry. I think everybody should set goals. I think everybody should have resolutions. But I have learned this in my 37 years uh, of, of living and, and about 27 years of failed resolutions is that if you focus on the end result that you are trying to attain, you are setting yourself up almost always for failure. However, if you will instead focus on the daily disciplines, <clears throat> rhythms, that if you will hold to them, because remember, starting off 
in rhythm is one thing. Holding that rhythm and maintaining that rhythm is a whole nother thing, right? And you will hold, so for instance, if your goal is to get in shape this year, can I get a witness up in the house this morning? It's been my goal every year for the last five years, and I have gotten in shape. It's just more, greater in circumference, right? Uh, it's still a shape. Amen, bro. That's good preaching over there. It's round, right, right, like a donut. Now I want donuts. Um, and if your goal is to get in shape, uh, the goal shouldn't be to get in shape. The goal should be every day to drink a gallon of water, right? Or every day to get 10,000 steps or to go for a walk and maintain that daily discipline or that daily rhythm. And you may not lose 10 pounds in a week. In fact, if you lose 10 pounds in a week, you're probably doing something wrong and need to go see a doctor. Uh, you may not lose 10 pounds in a month even, but if you will continue doing the little things daily and stay consistent, you will find yourself so much better off this time next year than you are right now. Uh, I think another resolution many of us have, and I have it, and I think you should pick this one up as well, is in 2023, I want to grow closer to the Lord. And I mean that sincerely. I, I, I am nowhere near where I want to be in God. And I don't expect to ever, this side of eternity, be where I want to be with the Lord. But, but as I analyze my life, as I look at my prayer life, as I look at the disciplines in my life that I know bring me closer to the Lord, I am not where I want to be. I'm not where I need to be. And if I can just be honest with you, and I think many of you would say the same thing, I'm just not where I should be. But, but having a goal and wanting to be closer to the Lord and then actually doing the things that I know bring me closer to the Lord are two different things. Now, I, this, we all know how to lose weight. Now, you may not know you know how to lose weight, but we all know how to lose weight, right? You eat less and you move more. That's how you lose weight. E easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I don't like to do it. Uh, I, li I like the opposite better. I like to eat more and move less. That's really, that's really my sweet spot. Um, and we all also know how to grow closer to the Lord. It is not complicated. When it comes to the things of God, if you want it, you can have it. You just got to go get it. It's not hard. If you want to grow closer to the Lord, you, you read his word and you spend time in his presence. Somebody might say, oh, but you know, I need to stop cussing. Listen, I, let, me, let me say, don't worry about, I'm just talking real plain with you right now, right? Don't worry about cussing, right? Don't, don't make that your goal. Because if you will begin to read his word, his word will transform your mind. And if you will spend time in his presence, it will transform your heart. And before you know it, transformation will occur on the inside, and then it will be visible on the outside. Amen. It's, yeah, come on, give the Lord praise. And so, so I want to take a few weeks and talk about setting some rhythms for living that will bring us closer to the Lord and help us get where we want to go in him. And I guarantee you, you, you know, a lot of times we talk about our physical body and our spiritual person as if they are separate beings or separate people. But I have learned and am learning that you are and I am, we are whole people. And what I do in the spirit and how I grow in the spirit will affect me physically. Also, the flip side is true. If I am not taking care of my physical body, if I am, if I am eating poorly, if I am sleeping uh, poorly, it will carry over and begin to affect me spiritually as well. And so I don't, I'm not a life coach. I don't plan to talk about all of these things. Uh, I'm not qualified to talk about all of these things. But I think that if we can do a few things, if we can get a few things in our life in rhythm, uh, this time next year, shoot, this time next month, right? I think we will be amazed at what we see the Lord do in us. And if we want the Lord to use us, if we want to see the Lord do stuff through us, the first thing that has to happen is he has to, he has to do work in us. He has to do a work in us. So, I want to talk about the rhythm of prayer today. Now, I preached on prayer a few weeks ago, back, you know, back way back when in 2022. And I actually debated on skipping this message because I felt like, well, you know, I just talked about prayer. And I felt the sweet, gentle, non-convicting voice of the Holy Spirit say to me, well, 
Drew, is your prayer life everything it should be? And is there nothing more that you could learn or do? Uh, and, and I said, okay, all right, I got you. <laughs> Deal. So we're going to talk about prayer again. And I think it's also appropriate as we begin our, our week of prayer. Now, let me say this. Getting together and praying together and maintaining a daily discipline or rhythm of prayer are two different things. Right? They, they are two different things. They, they work together, but, but one does not replace the other. So I want to talk about the rhythm of prayer. I want to start off reading a few scriptures about prayer. Now, in your Bible, if you go to your concordance and you look up the word prayer, you will, you will find out that there are dozens upon dozens of scriptures concerning prayer. But one of the things that has always fascinated me about Jesus' disciples is that they only ever asked him to teach them how to do one thing. And it wasn't to preach, and it wasn't to perform miracles, it was to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. So this is what uh, Luke says in chapter 11. I just want to start with verse 1. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. Now, if Jesus, the Son of God, took time to pray... What does that say to you and to me? Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and he said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Now, what is going to follow is a version or rather Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. Something that's really important for you to understand about the Lord's Prayer is Jesus does not say this is what you should pray. Rather, he says, this is how you should pray. The Lord's Prayer, as we call it, the Lord's Prayer, really, in actuality, it would be better titled, the Disciples' Prayer, is not a prayer for repetition, even though it is great to memorize and to repeat. My children and I, every morning on the way to school, we recite the Lord's Prayer together in unison. But the greater purpose of what we know as the Lord's Prayer is not a prayer for memory, but a prayer to model our prayers after. And so... Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. Now, this is from the New Living Translation. If you memorize this in King James, I'm throwing your whole world for a loop right now. I get that. It says, Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. And then in verse 5, then teaching them more about prayer. I wish that was recorded, don't you? Come on, Luke, where were you, man? Teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. He says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, Jesus is going to contra uh, con contrast the, the friend and the father. The friend was annoyed, but can I tell you, your father is never annoyed by your prayers. He says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Come on, aren't you thankful for a good father? Amen. Amen. And then I want to read from James chapter 5. This, this is the conclusion of our James series, by the way. Not really, but kind of, sort of. James chapter 5, starting with verse 13. 
He says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Here, this isn't the sermon, but I just want to say this. If you want to be forgiven of your sins, all you have to do is ask the Father to forgive you. If you want to be healed from the thing that keeps you falling into sin, you, that only happens in community with other believers as we talk, as we pray, as we love, as we, as we sharpen one another. So when Life Groups launch in February, everybody's going to join one. Amen. Where's Lindsay at when you need her? Where's Don at when you need him? Everybody left me. Um, you're still here. All right, moving on. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Verse 17, Elijah was as human as we are. Now, Elijah is, is, is one of the big dogs of the Jewish people. And remember, James, if you go back several weeks, James was written to Jewish Christians. Now, to Gentile Christians, they would not have known who Elijah was because they did not have access uh, to the Torah, to the Old Testament scriptures. But to the Jewish Christians, Elijah and Moses and Abraham were the, they were the trinity of, of, the, of our Old Testament, so to speak. And so, so James says, Elijah was just as human as we are. Yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Now, all that being said, all that in your mind right now, I just want to hit a few points about prayer. And then at the end of this message, uh, I'm going to invite you to the altar. So just make up your mind now. If, if you would say, and it being very honest with yourself and honest with the Lord, my prayer life is not what I want it to be. And it certainly isn't what God wants it to be. And today, I want to start a new trend, a new rhythm in my life, making prayer a priority. The altar call will be for you. I will invite you to come up. And I want you to, to come to this altar because something happens. Now, you may disagree with me, and that's fine. But I believe that just something happens that when I make a mental and spiritual decision, that I also make a physical movement towards that decision. And so that today would begin a new day for you as you say to the Lord, as you say to yourself, I want to begin 2023 first and foremost by making prayer a priority in my life and setting that not as something that I'm just going to do on Sunday morning when the pastor makes an altar call, but something I'm also going to do every single day, something that I'm going to make a rhythm in my life. So number one, prayer is powerful. And I want to say this about the power of prayer. Prayer in itself is not powerful. When I was a little kid, I, now this is so embarrassing to me now, but I took an angel that was used as our tree topper that we had for Christmas. Now, remember, I didn't know, I didn't know nothing about nothing. And I would take that angel and I would pray to that angel because I thought that it had little lights in its hands and it would shoot my prayers up to the Lord. Now, I believe the Lord is good and he heard the prayers of my four-year-old self who was basically committing idolatry with an angel slash Christmas tree topper. <laughs> Didn't really know the Ten Commandments back then. Um, but uh, prayer in itself is not powerful because if you're praying to an angel or if you're praying to a person or if you are praying to an idol or made-up God, there's no power in that prayer. There's no power in a prayer in and of itself. What makes prayer powerful is the one to whom you are praying. The power of prayer is connected to the one that we are praying to. So, so prayer in and of itself isn't powerful, but guess what? God is. Yeah. 
God is powerful. And so therefore, prayer is powerful. I love how James references this story about Elijah. I encourage you, go to 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18 and read it later today about how God instructed Elijah to pray that the rain would cease. And, and literally for three and a half years, the whole lands of Judah suffered a terrible drought. And the reason why is that God was trying to take his people and make them become dependent on them again. But they had become idolatrous themselves and they began to worship the gods of Baal. And, and so Elijah prays this prayer for three and a half years. It doesn't rain. And then three and a half years later, God says, okay, it's time to pray for rain, which is so interesting to me that God would tell Elijah to pray something to God. Does that make sense? Why didn't God just say to Elijah, all right, Elijah, for three and a half years, it ain't going to rain. And then three and a half years later, God said to Elijah, hey, it's going to rain now. But that's not what he did. There's a lesson here. And the lesson is this. It seems as if God will do nothing on this planet apart from his people praying. And the prayers that God hears the most are the prayers that are inspired by his spirit. That's why when we pray things that are not in line with his will, we don't get what we pray for. And we don't see it. James even says it earlier. The reason why your prayers aren't answered is because you're praying selfish and self-centered prayers. You're not praying in accordance with his will. But when you pray in accordance with his will, you see miraculous things happen. And Elijah, James tells us, was a man just like you and me. The, the power of prayer is not... Can I just tell you this? You, you, you have... I'm willing to bet, I don't have anything to bet, but if I did, I would be willing to bet that many of you have defeated yourself before you even prayed for the thing that you want to pray for because you look at yourself and you think to yourself, I'm not worthy. I'm just nobody. I'm not good enough. I don't know the Bible that well. I don't pray enough. But the power of prayer is not found in how good of a person you are even. Come on, it's found in how good he is. That's where the power of prayer is found. It's not about how much you know about prayer. It's not about even how well you know the scriptures. It is about the one to whom you are praying. Prayer is powerful. Number two, prayer works. Prayer works. For whatever reason, I said it a moment ago, it seems as if God will do nothing on this planet apart from his people praying. And when we pray, and when we choose to pray, and when we pray in accordance with his will, prayer works because prayer moves the heart and the hand of God. Now, I said this a few weeks ago, and I want to say it again. Prayer may not always change the circumstances, but it always changes you. Prayer may not always change the circumstances, but it always changes me. Because what is the end goal of my life on planet Earth? It is not to, to be healed. Come on. I know this is a little bit difficult because I know if you are, if you've, are a human being, you've prayed prayers that God hasn't answered. And, and, and I don't have answers for that, okay? I can't tell you why God didn't do the thing. So don't ask me. I don't know. And if you ever find out, please come tell me because I want to know as well. But the, the end goal of my life on planet Earth is not to get my wish list fulfilled. The end goal of my life on planet Earth is to look more like Jesus and less like me. So prayer always works because even if I don't get the thing I prayed for, I get the thing that God wants most from me, and that is to be more like him. Because when I spend time in his presence and I spend time with him, I look more like Jesus and less like me. And prayer, it, it transforms our minds. It changes our lives. Prayer is powerful. Prayer works. Number three, prayer connects us to God which actually might be his greatest desire for each and every one of us, is that we would know him as well as be known by him. And I want to say this again. It is not, when you pray, it is not about the length of your prayers. It's not about the language of your prayers. It, God is not concerned if you use correct grammar. I'm from Mississippi. I don't know how to use correct grammar, okay? God is not, and if you're from East Tennessee, you don't either, okay? Okay. 
God is not concerned about how long you pray, the language of your prayer, or even your theological understanding of who he is or the things that you're praying for. What God wants most from you is you. End of story, bottom line, no questions asked. That's what he wants. It's about our relationship with him. If you go to the Gospel of Matthew and you read this same account from which we read in Luke, it's in Matthew chapter 6, maybe my favorite chapter in all of scriptures, at least my favorite chapter in the New Testament. Jesus says this, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. The Gentiles would have been the Greeks who were praying to idolatrous gods. He says, don't babble on and on. He says, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. He said, don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. He says, don't be like them. For your father knows. Now here, we don't get this because we, we take this for granted. But Jesus is talking to his disciples as well as other Jewish believers. And he refers to God as Father. He, he doesn't refer to God as Master or even Lord. Now, all those things are true. He is our Master. He is our Lord. But the thing that he wants most from us is not for us to, you know, come on bended knee and, and reverence. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't reverence that should be observed in prayer. But Jesus makes a point to understand that we know that we can approach him the way a child does a parent. The way a child does a father. And when my kids walk in the room and they say, Daddy, listen, listen, I can be talking to you. And I may not look at them immediately, but I hear that voice. I hear it above every other voice. And I know that voice because that voice belongs to me. And that voice matters to me more than any other voice on this planet. Because that voice is a voice coming from my child. And so when you call out to him, Father, he hears you. You know, the better you know somebody, the easier it is to communicate with them. And a lot of us, we struggle in prayer because we just don't do it enough. Right? And the only way to get better at prayer is to pray. You know, when me and Kristen first got married, uh, we thought we knew each other. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then we moved in together. And we discovered very quickly, we've been married 14 years this past December, and we discovered very quickly that we didn't know each other as well as we thought we knew each other. But like, I can look at her right now, and I can tell her more with the shape of my eyebrows than I can to you with 100 words. Because we, we've had 14 years of doing this, day in and day out, right? And, and we can talk to each other by the, not just the words that we say, but the, by the tone of how we say it, right? If I go, Kristen, that's, she knows what that means. That means I want her to go get me something from the kitchen and I don't want to get up. <laughs> if I go, Kristen, that means the kids are acting up and I don't want to be the one to discipline them. If I go, Kristen, I can tell you what that <laughs> That's another sermon for another day. You see, I don't think God is very interested in knowing us formally, right? I think he wants to know us relationally. Paul says it like this in Romans 8. He says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Now, how many of you have gone to God in prayer, and before you, you really talk, you're like, God, I'm so sorry, I suck, and I'm terrible, and I haven't prayed in so long, and I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm uh. and you, you, you've defeated yourself before you've even started talking to God, because you've allowed the enemy, you know, his nickname, by the way, the devil's nickname is the accuser, that's what he does. And he's accused you of not being good enough, not praying enough. And the whole time God is like, come on, no, 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 just talk to me. If my kids walked up to me, and, and let's just say they wanted something from the kitchen. Let's say they wanted some ice cream, which happens at least three times a day. 
And they walked into me, up to me and they said, Father, I am so unworthy. I haven't cleaned my room in three weeks. And, and then they, I, I mean, I would say, That's, that is true, you haven't done that. But if my kids walked up to me degrading themselves, I, it would make me angry. I would say to them, who told you you're not good enough? Because I know I didn't. And I'm your father, and I have the final authority in your life over your identity. And your father would say the same to you. Hey, who told you that? You didn't hear that from me. And if you heard it from somebody else, that's a lie. That's not true. God wants to know you relationally. He says, now we call him Abba, Father. That word Abba is, and, and this is a hard translation to make. John will tell me what it really means after service. But to the best of my understanding, <laughs> it, it, it would be Aramaic for something along the lines of like Dada. Like, like Daddy God or Father God. Now, I, I don't know that you should pray that way. And if you choose to pray that way, that's fine with me. But I'm just telling you that God is not worried about you coming up to him and having every, everything right and all your ducks in a row and all the right words and all the right language. God just wants to hear from you. Yeah. He, just wants, he just wants to talk with you. He just wants to hear from you. He wants you to listen to him as well. Yeah. Let me say this about fasting, okay? Everybody's favorite topic, right? Fasting and tithing is everybody's favorite church topics. I just want to say this. We don't fast, or rather we shouldn't fast, because we want God to do something for us. We don't even fast because we, we shouldn't even fast because we want more of God. Contrary to popular belief, fasting is not a way to manipulate the hand of God. And that is the way it has been taught so long in so many churches. Oh, you need a miracle? Oh, you better fast. Why, why would you wait till you need something to fast? Why would you wait until you need something to pray? We, we've treated fasting, and I say we loosely. I'm just talking about church culture, at least in my lifetime. We've treated fasting as a way to, to, to bend God's will to our will. To get him to do something for us. Like we go on a hunger strike and all of a sudden God's like, oh, all right, I guess I'll give you that financial miracle or else you're going to starve to death. <laughs> that, that makes no sense whatsoever. We don't fast because we need something from God. We don't even fast because we want more of God. Rather, we fast because we want to give more of ourselves to God. That's why we should fast. I don't skip a meal because I think God's going to honor my hunger and answer my prayer. I don't skip a meal and replace the time that I would, or rather I skip that meal and I replace the time that I would normally eat my peanut butter and jelly sandwich or my Dos Bros burrito bowl. Those are my two go-to lunch options. And instead of feasting on that, I feast on his word and I feast on his presence my soapbox on fasting for a little bit. Number, I don't even know what number I'm on anymore. The next one, four, prayer directs our thoughts. You know, there's some toxic approaches to prayer as well, just as there is fasting. Somebody says, you know, I've been, I've been struggling with anxiety. And a well-intentioned, however ill-informed Christian says to them, well, have you prayed about it? Like, in other words, you know, I pray about everything and my life's great and you, like, you're, you suck, so have you prayed about it? You know, if you would just pray about this, it would go away, it would get better. Now, let me say this, prayer absolutely should be your first response, but it may not should be your only response. You say, or I've heard it said, well, if you were just living better, God would have answered that prayer for you. He would have healed that person. Can I tell you, I've struggled with that in my own life as I have prayed for people and believed for a miracle only to see the prayer go unanswered and the miracle to go unfulfilled and then spend weeks beating myself up thinking if I was just a better Christian, God would have heard my prayer and that person would still be here today. I've walked that road. I know that feeling. That is just not 
how a good father would treat his children. That is not how a loving father would respond to the pleas and requests of those that he loves. And what has happened is that prayer has often been weaponized to make other people feel less than and to exalt others. I will say this, though. Prayer does work. Again, it may not always change the circumstances, but it will always change me. And it may not work instantly, right? You know, you may pray for something and you don't see an instant result. Uh, Elijah, when he was praying for rain, go read this in 1 Kings 18. When he was praying for rain, he sent his servant back seven different times to look for the cloud in the sky. I can't preach that sermon today, but it's worth reading the story for yourself. Jesus, as as we read in Luke, he is giving the illustration of the persistent friend who at midnight continues to knock on the door. And he says the friend doesn't answer the request because he's a good friend. The friend answers the request because he wants him to shut up, right? And so, so I encourage you, if God hasn't answered it yet, do not stop praying because he's not going to be annoyed with you. But, but if he is a good father, how much more will he answer you eventually if you will stay persistent in prayer? Paul says this in Ephesians 4. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I don't know about you. But I know for me, in my life, and especially in my prayer life, the majority of the battle is fought between, in between my ears. Right? When our thoughts are out of rhythm with God's word, which happens when we don't have a discipline of spending time in God's word. And when our thoughts are out of rhythm with God's word, it throws our life into chaos. Prayer directs or often redirects our thoughts. Another, here's another fasting tidbit. You guys okay? Yeah. Many of you, myself included, may choose to incorporate media into, as some, in some form into our fast. It may be social media. It may be television. It may be all of the, uh, all of the above. In ancient times, I don't suppose this was too much of an issue. You know, they may have said, you know, I'm, t- I'm not going to read any scrolls this week. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but I would imagine in our culture, well, I, I don't imagine, I know that for many people, media consumes more of their time than even sleeping does. I mean, that's, that's a statistic you can find yourself with just a quick Google search, which is ironic that I tell you to get on the computer. But anyway... I want want to encourage you that if you do choose to fast media, whatever that looks like, take that time that you would normally spend watching TV or scrolling Facebook and read your Bible. I know it, it is such an elementary thing to say that if you want to grow closer to God, pray and read your Bible. But that's how easy, but also how hard It is to grow in the Lord. Because it's so easy for life to give you every reason imaginable and even every reason that you can't think of right now to find something better to do than to spend time in his word and to spend time in his presence. So if you're going to fast those things, don't just not scroll Facebook. Rather, maybe if if you're, you know, take your phone and put the Bible out front and center right then and there. So when you... If you, and now listen, I'm just being honest. You know, I, I'm the guy that before I know it, I've clicked on an app and it, 13 minutes have gone by. And I don't know where it went because I have just endlessly scrolled, read stuff that had no consequence in my life. So maybe you delete that app from your phone. I'm just trying to be practical with you this morning. Put your Bible app on there. And so that's the first one you click. And hey, before you know it, you've read the whole book of Leviticus. And I mean, if you've done that, I'm proud of you. You're doing good. Somebody say, you know, if I'm going to start reading the Bible, where should I start? I'd say start with, yeah, just start, right? But, you know, go read Romans. Go, start with Galatians. You can read that in just one sitting. 
Start with the Gospel of Mark. It's really short, it's really concise, and it's a lot of fun. Don't, don't start, well, never mind. You start where you want to start. I'm not going to tell you where not to start. Number five, I think it's five. Prayer fixes our focus. I don't know about you, but I do know about me. If I let myself go unchecked, I'm an incredibly selfish and self-centered person. Now, my wife is not. That is not her default nature, but it is mine. And it is so easy for all of us, even if we don't default to being selfish, it is so easy for us to become so focused on our own lives, our own situations, our own problems, and our own needs that we lose sight of what God is doing around us and desires to do through us. But prayer fixes our focus. If you go back to Matthew, if you, if you start with the Lord's prayer, uh, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's interesting to me that there's no mention of God, uh, make my life better. <laughs> Answer my prayers, do these things for me. In fact, we're actually praying that, Lord, that you would do whatever it is you want to do, regardless of my feelings about it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not my kingdom. Not my will. But your will. And then he says, or then, then Jesus says to pray this way, on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't even say in my life. So the, the emphasis that Jesus is pushing for us is that we would stop looking inwardly and that we would begin looking outside of ourselves. And when we, when we pray and we, we stay in prayer, it fixes our focus because otherwise it is so easy to think that our life is all about us. Rather, let me say it like this. A lot of us live under the presumption that God is a part of my life. When the greater truth is that, is that I am a part of God's story. God's not a part of my story. Maybe that's worth repeating. I am part of God's story. You are part of God's story. He's not part of mine. Or rather, did I say that right? Look at, look at, look at Julie. I got confused. So, so here's, another, here's another fasting thought. Lisa Bevere says this, a diet will change the way you look. I Maybe, I don't know. I've had a few that didn't. But, but we'll roll with it, okay? She says, a diet changes the way you look, but a fast changes the way you see. A diet changes the way you look. A fast changes the way you see. And so as we starve our flesh and we feed our faith, the Holy Spirit begins to change how we see as we become more like Jesus and less like ourselves. And then lastly, number 57. <laughs> Prayer aligns our purpose. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And as I said a moment ago, ultimately, we exist to serve God's purpose. God does not exist to serve our purpose. And the sooner that we can just grab hold of that truth, right, the better off we will be about it. The greater purpose of prayer, and you've heard me repeat this a few times, is not that God would change my situation. Now, sometimes he does. Aren't you thankful for answered prayers? Anybody in here thankful for unanswered prayers or just the good Garth Brooks song, right? Come on, how many girlfriends that I pray, Lord, let them be the one, and whew, dodged the bullet there. The greater purpose of prayer is not that God would change my situation, but that God would change me. everyone but take a moment and bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't want there to be anybody looking around. First and foremost today, if you are far from the Lord, not just that you need a better prayer life, but you are far from the Lord, that relationship is either distant or non-existent. And you would say, Pastor Drew, not only do I need a prayer life, I, I need a relationship, period, with Jesus. 
I need him to forgive me of my sin, change my life. I need to start over today. If that's you, there's no one looking around but me. And I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. But if that's you, would you lift your hand high in the air so that I can pray for you? I see you. I see you, man. I see you, brother. For those of you who just lifted your hands, I'm not going to tell you what to pray today, but I am going to pray for you. All you have to do is from a sincere heart, ask the Lord to forgive you and to be Lord of your life. So Father, for these three individuals that raise their hand, God, I pray that you would birth something inside of them that would make them more hungry for you than they've ever been. God, that they would begin again a relationship with you, living for you as they receive forgiveness as, as all things have been made new in their life and that Jesus, that you would reign as Lord of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we celebrate these three individuals? My hope, my prayer for you, Lifehouse, for me, is that we would dive head first into the rhythm of prayer, that today, that this week would be the jumping off point, but also that all of 2023 would be filled with the discipline, the committed daily rhythm, discipline, whatever words you want to use. I didn't want to title the series Disciplines because that doesn't sound nearly as enticing as rhythms, I thought. But that's really what it is, right? Discipline is doing what you want to do even when you don't feel like doing it. This year, our prayer life would grow like never before. And I believe that if we will commit ourselves to prayer, that we will see God move in our lives and in our church in ways that we have hoped for, but not seen yet. But I believe we'll see it this year if we will make prayer the priority that it needs to be. So with every eye open, everyone looking around, if your prayer your thought, if your heart today says, Pastor Drew, I want to make prayer the priority it should be in 2023. I want it to start today, but I don't want it to end the first of February when every resolution usually gets broken, right? I want it to go all year. I don't want it to be something that I do this week, but I want it to be something that I do for the rest of my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? That's fantastic. Come on, if you just lifted your hand, would you stand? I've asked Don to lead us in a song for a moment. And as he does, I want to invite you to this altar if you lifted your hand and if you want prayer to become a discipline in your life. Paul says this one last scripture here for you. He says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, when we don't know what God wants us to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So if you don't know what to pray, if you don't know how to pray, hey, that's okay. God's got you. The Holy Spirit will help you. And so as Don leads us, if you raise your hand, if you're standing, I want to just invite you to gather around this altar that we would come close as a community, as we would come close close as Lifehouse, together as one body saying, Pastor Drew, rather saying, Holy Spirit, this year, prayer will be a priority in my life. Design.
day, if we go a morning and we forget to pray or we get too busy, God, I pray, and this is scary for me, but I pray, Lord, that that our day would just be wrecked until we got some time to spend alone in your presence and to spend time in your word. Lord, I pray that, that things would just be messed up because, Lord, just as you would treat Israel in the Old Testament when they began to neglect you. God, that if we begin to neglect you, that you would allow things into our life, not because of your anger, but because of your love, that would redirect our attention back towards you. Because you love us. Because the best thing you can give us is not an answered prayer. The best thing you can give us is yourself. And so we give ourselves to you. And God, we ask that we would be desperate for you, hungry for you, passionate for you, 
filled by your spirit. That we would pray first, that we would pray often, and God, that we would pray real prayers. In Jesus' name. In life house, over you, I pray. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. See you tonight at 630. We're loved in Holly Valley.